are beautiful humans of Earth and or other planets if that's at all possible. And if you're not living on Earth, I don't blame you. Earth is kind of a garbage place right now. At least from my perspective and where I live. That's a whole thing. Yeah, 2020 Earth, not, not getting it. Nope. I think that whoever's running our simulation needs to hit the reset button. Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? Anybody? No? Okay. So this week's episode is probably going to be a little bit shorter because next week is probably going to be a little bit longer and they're kind of connected in a way. Like next week we're covering a creepypasta and this creepypasta may have been inspired by today's case and next week's case. So we're just kind of going to stick it in the middle like a sandwich. Either way, regardless of the length of this episode, the guy we're talking about is the epitome of a monster in a human meat suit. He is manipulative, he's abusive, he's literally the worst. But either way, it'll all make sense next week, kind of, hopefully, I don't know. So welcome back. And if you're here for the first time, Welcome to Crime and Theory, a podcast dedicated to everything outside the parameters of normal. We are your hosts, Ashley. And Erin. Hello, Erin. Hey. How are you? I'm not doing all right. How about you? I'm okay. Really tired because it's allergy season. And guess who took Benadryl? Me. The answer is me. It's the season for the sneezing. Can we get that on a shirt? Tis the season for the sneezing. <laughs> I made a thing. That needs to be a shirt in my wardrobe. So how was your week? Um, in the season for sneezing. Um, Sneezy? Yeah, some sneezings. <laughs> uh, about an average 2020 kind of week. Uh, you know, oh, well, I, I can't, I don't remember if I've told you this, but I found out last night and well, I saw this post last night, and then I woke up because I was hoping it was a terrible nightmare, but mm-hmm. it, it's still a thing. What? The CC's Pizza. Oh yeah, it's closed. It's closed. I mean, I don't think the whole chain's closed, but our local CC's has shut down. Yeah. For good. And I'm so sad about that. I kind of am too. Like I never really liked CC's, but we went and ate there the night before we got married, and I it's know. kind of a special place. That broke my heart. Watching my... How old was Megan back then? Like 10? Yeah. Watching my 10-year-old devour... Not my 10-year-old. My 10-year-old cousin devour that much pizza and out eat you and her brother. Yeah. That was the highlight. Not the rehearsal. No, no. No. Watching a tiny child eat her weight in pizza. She out pizza the hut that day. She did. I'm so proud. So, CC's has shut down. What's up? What else? I can't speak. Uh, was it Grant from Mythbusters? Grant Imahara passed away the week that we're recording. They found Naira Vera's body. Uh, John Travolta's wife passed away. It's been a really sad week. It has. Like, I'm sorry. For those of us who get to survive month to month through the year of 2020, it's not a challenge to try to destroy us mentally or physically. Whoever's running the simulation, stop. So did anything else happen this week? We got our haircut. Yeah, we got haircuts. We were able to actually go and take care of those split ends. Well, I had split ends. Your hair was just 
not the style you wanted. It was a mess. It was not. But it looks a lot better now. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Like, all you're missing is some hipster glasses and a beard, and you're like, you can infiltrate. Let me just find my glasses. Oh, there they are. Just gonna slap those on. And okay. Then, now all you're missing is the beard. Now I'll just grab a sharpie and doodle a, a beard on my face, and the, the hipster look will be complete. Oh, and before we get started, I know that the season two premiere was weeks ago by the time this episode airs, but for us, it was only two days ago. And I want to clear up about episode one just a little bit. So I'm the first to admit that my pronunciation of foreign words is garbage because my pronunciation of my own language is garbage. And so the bastions are named after the Dutch, that are named after the Dutch prince at the Castle of Good Hope. It's apparently not said like orange. It's something like oranje, oranje, something like that. Either way, it's spelled like orange, but it's pronounced way cooler. That does sound way cooler. Yeah. Now I just want to pronounce the color orange that way. I think we should just say that forever. Yes. Yeah. And also, um, Marissa reached out and she told me that the dog that guards the castle of Good Hope, apparently this dog was like terribly abused and neglected. Like they would starve it and basically the dog became kind of aggressive, like really Ah, aggressive. Wow. And then they wound up burying the dog alive. Dude, I'm, I'm feeling very John Wick for this dog. Me too. But I know why you're feeling very John Wick. Because I love some Keanu. I can't stand you right now. It's fine. But apparently the dog spirit is the guardian of the castle now. That's cool. I mean, that is I, cool. it's sad that that dog, that poor dog had to go through that. Yes. And what kind of a monster does that to a dog? I know. That right there is like the makings of a serial killer. I don't know if anybody else realizes this, but they like to abuse animals. That just reminds me of this terrible video that I had I had watched like way back and I was waking up one day and I pulled up my phone and I don't I don't even remember how I stumbled across this video but um long story short do like I'm kidding um <laughs> uh, this lady was she had a big white bucket and she was tossing something into the, the river and I'm like what is that is she, what is she tossing in the river and then my eyes got into focus and I'm like oh sweet baby Jesus those are little puppies <gasps> did somebody save them um no I don't want to know the outcome if it's bad I don't want to know I don't think anybody wants to know this year's been bad enough I can't yeah. in my head we're finishing the story how it has to be or else we're all going to lose our crap right now somebody saw this happen they went and they saved the sweet little innocent puppies. They took them back to their house. They nourished, nourished them back to health. And they're living happy lives with their favorite little toys and treats. And they're just, they're the happiest, okay? That's how it has to end. I'm going to say that's what happened because I can't remember exactly what happened to the puppies. It wasn't clear. At least not that I can remember because my long-term memory's crap. But um, I think they did get a hold of that lady. I think that's your short-term memory, by the way. Oh, okay. Because it's not a constant in your life. Oh. 
Like, if I don't eat the same thing for breakfast, I don't remember what I had the day before. It happens. But even if what I said is not true, it's true now. Yeah. It's 2020. I am going to not only live my truth, I am going to make my own truth. It's like Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So, this week, we are talking about a lesser-known serial killer named Futoshi Matsunaga and his reign of terror in Japan. Let's get started. All sources for this week are Murderpedia.org, AbsoluteCrime.com, WickedWe.com, and a smidgen of Wikipedia. And I know, I know. This is a serial killer, and wikipedia.com is not a good source for serial killers. But I didn't use it for a source of the killings or the serial killer himself. Just a little bit of background information on one person, so please don't hold it against me. So I'm still true to my word, guys. It's okay. It's all good. And, alright, here's the deal. This serial killer was slash is, because he's still alive, in Japan. So there's not a whole lot of, you know, killer information out there. Because I I don't know if Japan is as into serial killers as we are, but it's pretty much the same information across the board. But at least they're consistent. Give them that. The website's not, I'm not culturalizing anything. But you know how here we obsess over, like, Jeffrey, that's not the right word, (laughs) like, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy. I don't think it's so strong over there. Yeah. And also, crime rate in Japan is stupid low. So there's really not a whole lot on serial killers to get hyped up about. Because I think they have a different view in their criminal justice system. Like, you're guilty until... I don't, I don't know, but I do know that with their culture, that the Japanese people are a very proud yeah, people, yeah, that, that and too. they're very strong in, like, their belief in honor and doing the right thing and giving everything your all. And if you, if one of them's a serial killer, that looks bad to them, it, it affects their whole family. Right. So I think that's why it's so rare. Also, I think just a personal thing here. I, I'm i not crapping on anybody's culture or country, I promise. But I think that's why there is such a high rate of suicide versus homicide over there. Right. I actually have some rates, if you want, like of Japan to America with their crime rates. Yeah. Okay. That's what this show's all about. We need some statistics. So before we really get into Fatoshi Matsunaga, Japan's violent crime rate per million is 3.97 versus America's 42.01. Holy crap. Yeah. And we could talk about the rape rate, which is also lower, but let's be realistic here. Numerically, Japan's rape rate is way lower than America's. But we also need to consider that I feel like there are a lot of rapes that occur in Japan that go unreported. For instance, when we were watching Juan. 
Yeah. The, is it Origins? Yeah. Or Juon the beginning Origins. or something? On Netflix, there's literally a rape scene in the show. Sorry, guys. Spoilers. But it, also disclaimer for that show if you haven't watched it. And it happened. And that was it. Like, there was no report or anything. Of course, that's a paranormal slash supernatural based show. We don't know what actually happens in Japan because we're not from there. But even here in America, there are rapes that happen to go unreported. So I, those numbers aren't accurate, is what I'm trying to say. Right. It could drastically, drastically, thank you, (laughs) Um, fluctuate. Right. However... I still think that Japan's would be lower than America's. We also have to consider the size of the countries as well, but yeah, this that is was per my, million. Yeah, that was my next question because obviously Japan's way smaller than America, right. thus less people can live in Japan. Yeah. So, on to our serial killer. You ready? Let's do this. Okay. And I'm sorry if I'm yelling because these headphones are on and I'm hearing myself reverberate. It's weird. Butoshi Matsunaga was born in Kokura Kitaku, Kitakyushu, Fukuoka Prefecture, Japan, on April 28th, 1961. That That was a mouthful. You're right. And I probably mispronounced the crap out of that, but less so than Dutch South slash South African words. But it was Mima and Papa's 10th wedding anniversary. Aww. I know. They're so cute. By all accounts, Futoshi was a pretty good student, from what I understand. There's not really a whole lot about him out there, uh, you know, about his overall childhood, other than the fact that he was a delinquent who got kicked out of his first high school, and he had to transfer to another because he was having a relationship with a girl in middle school. So he was in high school. He was a teenager. Having a relationship. Uh-huh. With a middle schooler. Yes. Ooh. That's creepy, right? Yeah. I mean, that right there should have been the first red flag. But before he transferred, and this person's important, before he transferred to the other high school, he had attended school with a woman named Junko Ogata. And they didn't really know each other back then, so there's not really a whole lot to give at this moment. But I will bring her back up. But after high school, Futoshi got married to some unnamed woman, and I can't blame her for remaining unnamed because I wouldn't want to be affiliated with the psycho either. And they had a son together. This guy, being the scumbag that he is, he decided he was going to run around on his wife frequently. Mm. Like, this guy had like 10 mistresses. Holy crap. I don't know if that's overall or just one, but still, that's a lot of people. Now, one of these mistresses happened to be... Junko Ogata. See, brought it back up. And just a moment on some background for her. She was born on February 25th, 1962. And she grew up in Fukuoka Prefecture as well. Obviously, they went to high school together. And she came from a pretty wealthy family, had a basic family dynamic, mom, dad, sister. And she was described as a gentle woman and worked at a preschool before getting tangled up with Futoshi. So she liked children. She was good with people. She had a pretty good life. Right. Until she got mixed up with this guy. Do what? Until she didn't. Right. And she's not a victim. I mean, she's kind of a victim, 
But she's not a victim like we're going to talk about here. She's a victim in her own right, but she's still alive. Let's just put it that way. Well, that's good. Yeah. Eh, she might not be thinking that. And while we don't really know much about Fatoshi's relationship with his actual wife, we can infer given his relationship with Junko. He was really abusive with her. I mean, like, really abusive. Psychologically, physically, the works. So we can only imagine that he was probably the same with his wife. Maybe even ten times worse. Maybe. Honestly, if this is just me, but if I was married to someone like him and he ran around on me, I would be grateful for it personally because if he was gone overnight, that's a night that I knew I would be safe. Right. Absolutely. One way that he was really abusive with with Junko, sorry, she was still a virgin when they got together and she was 20 years old at the time. And even though he was the only man she had ever been with, he was always accusing her of having affairs with other men. Who does that sound like, Aaron? <laughs> We're not going to get ourselves sued here, but we know somebody just like that. But Junko stuck it out, and they wound up having two sons together in their relationship. So he's got one child from his actual wife. Yes. Two from one of his mistresses. Yes. And... I don't know if he had any with any of his others. So okay. he may have more out there. It's just, it, that stuff just wasn't brought up. It's not crucial to the story. So yeah. Okay. Now, Futoshi, he winds up making this wild promise to Junko in 1982. He tells her, I'm going to marry you. One problem. He's not divorced. Have... And bigamy is not legal. I would be absolutely terrified if, if I was her, to for him to say, not only am I abusive to you, I'm but going now, to marry you and trap you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But look, when it comes to abusive relationships, I've said it before, we don't know how we would be in a situation like that. And sometimes love is blind, but also psychological abuse is very real. And they can have you so... Uh, you know, an abuser can have you so confused and turned around that they have you convinced that they're the best thing that's ever happened to you, that you're never going to find anyone else to love you. And that's it. And you feel like this is the path that you are to be on, that this is what you are stuck with. Kind of like, um, it's hard to get out. I forgot her name. It's been so long since we've watched the walking dead, like, especially like the very first season. What's her name? I'm, Sure, her character. Carol. Yeah, Carol. With her husband, yeah. How she was so convinced that she needed to be with him and do everything for him. And he was so awful to her. Yes. And, you know, watching that season the whole time, I was thinking, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just get out? That's easier said than done. Yeah. Because to a degree, you're kind of brainwashed. And even if you're not brainwashed and you realize that your situation is very real, it's a very scary situation. And a lot of people are terrified to leave. Yeah, because they don't know what that other person, well, they do know what that person's capable of. Exactly, and that's why they won't leave, because sometimes their families are threatened or they themselves are threatened with their own lives, and it's it's not good. Mm -mm. Can we make 2021 the year that all abusers are locked away? Can we just do that? That would be great. That would be great. So anyway, he promises to marry Junko and she's over the moon for some reason. 
and she goes back and tells her family about this engagement. And her mom, Shizumi, is not happy. Can't blame her. Nope, neither. She sees how Fatoshi treats her daughter, and she does not want her kid to throw her life away on this garbage human. Understandable. Completely understandable. Well, Junko goes and tells Fatoshi what happens, and he goes to quote-unquote talk to Shizumi. Well, when Futoshi tells Junko what happened, he explained that Shizumi seduced him, and he slept with her, and Junko was supposed to be okay with that. But here's the truth. He wound up abusing and raping Shizumi. So, her own mom? He raped his quote-unquote fiancé's mother, yes. Oh my word. And she believed his word against her mom's, that, that it was consensual that's terrible yeah it's so bad guys he's laughing because he's uncomfortable yeah it's not funny please please understand like when i get uncomfortable or or even really stressed out yeah really stressed out aaron laughs yeah it's just a thing yeah it's a weird nervous tick i developed growing up so please don't take his laughter as like mockery by any means it's not who he is well then in 1983 Futoshi starts a futon business, and not like futon couches like we have here in the States, but actual futons. It's Japan. That's what people sleep on, you know? And he was a horrible businessman, and I don't mean that he was bad at selling futons. I mean that he was just a horrible human who happened to dabble in business. So in 18... Not 18 anything, I'm so sorry. A century later. 1985, he buys this building to run his business from, right? He picks a room on the third floor and he modifies this room to be soundproof. Why would any businessman need to do that? I feel like this is not going to end well. He, uh, he made this soundproof room in order to torture his employees via electrocution. What the crap? He would also blackmail people. And because of all this, he wound up accumulating... 180 million yen. Now, now here's the thing. Yen to the American dollar is different, but to get a rough estimate, you move the decimal two places. Because yen is more like cents rather than dollars. So that was... Still a lot of money. Yeah, and that was 1985. We have to consider the last 35 years of Inflation. inflation. Yes. So that's the equivalent of over 2 million U.S. dollars. Whoa. And this guy never got reported by any of his employees? Well, I don't know about the employees, but he does get reported. Even if he didn't get reported, I hope they quit. I hope they were like, um, no, burn scars aren't okay. I'm out. I don't care if I have to sell flowers on a sidewalk. I'm gone. Bye. I mean, like, I I know that I've had a job where I've I've worked only one day Mm -hmm. because I didn't. it, It was bad. It wasn't your cup of tea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if my employee ever shocked me with anything. Unless it's news. Yeah. (laughs) They can shock you with news. That's okay. But. Yeah. Or did any actual physical harm to me. You would be going to the cops. Yeah. Yeah. I I would be out like that very hour. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is, is they were locked in that room being electrocuted. They couldn't necessarily be gone in that hour. We don't know how long he tortured them. Mm. Also, in 1985, Junko's still in a relationship with Futoshi. 
and he's still abusing her. Junko attempts suicide. Now, we're not told exactly why she did it, but I can only assume that being that... Abused. Yeah, that that was probably how she felt she could escape him. But Junko gets out of the hospital, and Butoshi starts with his narcissistic bullcrap again. This time he convinces her that her family hates her because she's brought them shame with the suicide attempt. So she leaves home. He leaves his wife, finally, and she's probably like, thank you, Lord. And the two move in together. And as far as I know, Futoshi's ex-wife has their child. He does not have Okay, this well, that, that's good. So two people Made basically escape. Yeah. So time passes, as it does. And in 1992, Junko and Futoshi are put on Japan's most wanted list because of the Black Melon extortion. So I don't know, again, if any employees went and reported for the abuse, but people being blackmailed got fed up and they were like, this guy's got to be stopped. But here's the deal. They managed to evade police. They never got caught for this. Not the extortion. And if you thought it was already bad, Aaron... Buckle up, bud. This gets worse? Of course it gets worse. This is crime in theory. Doesn't it always get worse? Futoshi got involved with a married woman who had three children while in a relationship with Junko. It's worse. Hold on. I see the way you're looking at me. (laughs) He convinces this woman to leave her husband for him. In April of 1993, they move in together. Now here's the kicker. Junko knows about this relationship because he introduced Junko to this woman as his sister. Wow. But in September of 1993, one, see, she brought her kids with her. One of the three kids wound up dying under mysterious circumstances. The next month, the other two went to go live with dad and grandpa. So they got out. That's four people that have escaped this guy's clutch. But then in 1994, this woman also died under mysterious circumstances. But not before he and Junko managed to defraud her of 11.8 million yen, which is roughly 112,000 US dollars today. Jeez. So she was pretty wealthy. Yeah. And here's the thing. These mysterious circumstances are never proven to have been at his hand. Or anyone else's. He's never been charged with their deaths. But, I mean, it all adds up. How could it not be him? Well, you'll find out. Then Futoshi made quote-unquote friends with a man named Kumio Toraya. Kumio let his guard down around Futoshi because he thought they were friends. And he let it slip that he had a criminal background. And in Futoshi's true nature, what does he do? Blackmail. Blackmail. And I don't know how he managed to get this whole plan off the ground, but he manages to get Kumio and Kumio's daughter over to his house, where he holds the two captive in his condominium. Junko's still there. She's in on it. He tortures the two in really horrific ways. Like, guys, disclaimer, this is about to get real gross, okay? So this is the guy that he blackmails... Because he has a criminal record. And his child. Yes. 
who was only about between 10 and 12, I want to say. So he forces Camillo to consume his own feces. Oh, God. And he forced father and daughter to physically hurt each other, even making the daughter, like, bite into her own father's flesh. Oh, my Lord. This was done, like, they would actually hurt each other to avoid worse physical abuse, like the electroshock that Futoshi seemed to be so fond of. Kumio winds up receiving so much physical abuse that he succumbs to his injuries and dies on February 26th, 1996. He was only 34. So, to make sure I'm following, this guy's daughter is... Uh, whoa, wait, you didn't say daughter. It's his child. No, I said daughter. Oh, okay. So, this guy's daughter was forced to inflict so much physical pain to her father that he collapsed and died from it. Right. It was probably from an accumulation of injuries because this was not quick. Jeez. Well, Futoshi winds up convincing the daughter that she killed her own father, making this her fault, even though he was the one who orchestrated the whole thing. And it's not like he gave her a choice. Right. And she's just a child, so think about the psychological abuse inflicted on her with this. Well, he winds up, or she winds up, pulverizing Camillo's body to the point where she can easily dispose of it. Her own father. Yes. He makes her dispose of her father by getting rid of his remains near the Kunasaki Peninsula. Camillo's daughter was not released. He kept her prisoner. And we don't know exactly what happened to her directly after that. In between that event and the next. Then Futoshi finds one of Kumio's acquaintances that he knows about. And he seduces this woman. Yet again, promising to marry her. So he held this woman and her daughter hostage and tortured them both. This woman, this poor woman... He managed to defraud her about 69000 U.S. dollars worth of money. Hmm. And, but here's the thing. She managed to escape. Really? Yes. This woman made it outside by jumping from the second story onto the pavement. This was in 1997. And he had kept them for months because this was in 1996 when he had held her hostage. So she makes it outside and I don't know how it went from point A to point B. I don't know if she reported anything or what she reported, but she was put into a mental institution. And thankfully, they did release her daughter, Futoshi and Junko did. But they're still holding Kumio's daughter hostage. Right. Well, the same year, 1997, Junko almost gets away from her abuser. She gets up, gets ready, goes to work, as she does every day. Only this time... She didn't come back. Futoshi called Junko's family and tried to find her. And they were like, uh, no, you're not going to find her. That's not going to happen. We're not playing that game. So did the family know where she was hiding? Yes. So Futoshi winds up telling them that Junko's a murderer and all this crap, right? I mean, which was true, but he was trying to get them to give her up. And he tries to blackmail Shizumi. And I don't know if he succeeds or what. But it was a mess. Futoshi faked his own suicide, you know, pretending he was dead. Word gets back to the Ogata family and therefore back to Junko. 
she felt that it was safe to come out of hiding. So she returns home. Only he's there, quite alive. Oh, no. And of course, Futoshi abused Junko further. Probably even worse. Probably. And I don't know if this was as part of Junko's punishment, but he wound up raping Junko's sister, Reiko. Mm. And of course, it still gets worse. Because this monster is terrorizing everyone. The Ogata family wound up paying him about 777000 US dollars worth of yen, after which he held this entire family captive. And this is where it is the peak of awful. During holding the Ogata family captive, he would take the women upstairs and he would use electroshock equipment on their genitalia. No. All the while, Junko was helping him, as did Kumio's daughter under coercion. I just, I don't understand. And I maybe this is a whole psychological thing, but there's so many more of them than him. And I understand that, but they didn't have weapons, whereas he did. And he did have help, Junko, and Kumio's daughter. I mean, she wanted to get away from this guy, obviously. But so. again, you it's complicated. Because she was an abuse victim who was convinced that this was what love was. She was convinced that this was her person. And she would have done anything for him. It's, it's fully I do. It, look at other couples like... Uh, Carla Homolka and whatever that douchebag she was married to. I can't remember his name at the moment, but there's a whole movie about it. And it's a real case. They were a Canadian couple that were serial rapists and murderers. Oh, jeez. She's out of prison now because she pled the case that he made her do it. Like, they literally wound up killing her sister by drugging her so he could rape her. Oh my god. Yeah. We'll probably do an episode on them at some point. But then you have to look at the 80s band, the Sex Pistols. Look at Sid and Nancy. Nancy was, you know, by all accounts, a good person until she got mixed up with Sid Vicious. And then all of that went down. It's it's really hard to understand if you don't live that yourself. Right. And I'm grateful that we don't understand and that we don't have to. And I'm not saying that Junko is a full victim because she still partook in murdering people. Right. She still partook in torturing people. However, by this point, her her psychology was probably so off kilter that basically she would have done anything for him. So I guess what 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 you're trying to say is she's more at this point like harley quinn for the joker i guess so and of course by this point kumio's daughter has been in their thrall for so long that that it's a survival mechanism to just do what they say and for junko it she might have felt the same way that it was just a survival mechanism if you do what he says then he won't hurt you anymore and junko's family was held captive because that was their family Junko was their daughter, their sister, their sister-in-law. They wanted to protect her, probably, thinking that if they were able to take the punishment for her, she would be safe. Conditioned. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, probably. 
So then on December 21st, 1997, Junko winds up torturing her father, Takashige, with electrocution. Now, he winds up dying as a result of this torture. And after that, Shizumi, Junko's mom, her mental state kind of deteriorated pretty quickly. Can't say I blame her. Futoshi Matsunaga continued his abuse over the next month. And, of course, Shizumi's mental state is going quickly. So he decides after a month that it was time for someone else to die. He forced Reiko and Reiko's husband, Kazuya, to strangle Shizumi on January 20th, 1998. And I'm assuming that this next part is a result of the torture, but Reiko began to lose her hearing. And on February 10th, 1998, Kazuya was made to strangle his wife, while their 10-year-old daughter, Aya, was made to hold her down. Reiko was only 33. Oh, jeez. And I don't know why they didn't particularly bother with Kazuya, like, to actually kill him directly. But they locked him in a bathroom. And they just didn't give him the basic necessities like food. Like, they just let him waste away until he died in the bathroom. That is terrible. Now, remember that February 10th was the last time that we heard about him and he was killing his wife. He didn't die until April 13th, 1998. So, two months later. That word. And his cause of death was starvation. He was 38. So this is a, a lot of very young people Yeah. I mean, killed. Kumiya was 34. So, yeah, he's killing a lot of people well before their time. And even if they're older, you're still killing someone before their time because you're yeah, taking their life in yeah. your own hands. But yeah, I get what you mean. So I told you about Aya, their 10-year-old daughter. Right. Well, Kazuya and Reiko also had a 5-year-old son named Yuki. Futoshi forced Kumio's daughter, 10-year-old Aya, and Junko to kill 5-year-old Yuki on May 17, 1998. No. And the craziest thing is that the world outside of this condominium was none the wiser. Later, people reported, yeah, we heard strange noises. Yeah, there was a foul odor, but nothing ever got reported. Nothing ever got done. That's so terrifying that things, terrible things like this happen right under people's noses and they, they don't know. And of course, we still have people alive, so the killings don't stop. On June 7th, 1998, Kumio's daughter strangled 10-year-old Aya. And at that point, the entire Agata family was dead, with the exception of Junko and Junko's two kids that she had had with Futoshi. So, a whole family wiped out. Yep. Mm. They were able to dispose of the bodies. And, of course, it wasn't all at once, because that would have been a little too obvious, clearly. Right, right. But they boiled the remains in pots. And they either tossed the remains into the sea or disposed of them in washrooms. My assumption is that they flushed them. My God. And Futoshi and Junko got away with all of these deaths for four years before getting caught. And I don't know why they didn't kill Kamiyo's daughter, but thank goodness they didn't because she's the real hero of the story here. 
But before we get to her, in July of 2000, Futoshi convinced another woman to run away with him by promising her marriage. In August of 2001, she literally handed over her twin children to Futoshi and Junko. They had convinced this woman that they were going to need finances to take care of these kids, so she forked over more than 246,000 U.S. dollars worth of yen. So this woman was able to leave, but now they have her children. Your face right now. So they literally took everything that this woman had. Yeah. But the weirder part is that they were able to coerce her into just handing it over. Handing over her money, her children, like her life. I just, my mind is baffled on what, what could you say to someone that makes, that makes any sense at all? We need psychologist and psychiatrist friends. I know, right? Because I think they're the only people. Yeah, they're the only people who could piece that together. We need like criminal psychologist friends to really understand this here. Then on January 30th, 2002, Kumio's daughter escaped. At long last, she had managed to evade Futoshi for over two weeks, but he found her again on February 15th and took her back with him. Mm. He punished her with more electroshock. Of course. Of course he did. But this time it did not keep her down. She was determined. So on March 6th, she made a second escape attempt, and this time, she succeeded. Yeah! She went directly to the police to report his butt, and I don't know why she didn't the first time. It doesn't really matter at this point. She had been held captive for six years. My word. So she was about 17 at the time of her escape. She told police about everything that Futoshi and Junko had done, which included murder and fraud, but also cannibalism. I'm assuming it's from where they made her eat, not eat, but like bite into her dad, that that's what the cannibalism was, but I don't know. They may have consumed the Ogata family. I mean, they boiled the bodies. Uh, Yeah. I'm not saying that's definitely what happened. I'm just saying it's a possibility. But if it is... Like, not to say this sarcastically, but that's really hard to stomach. Yeah. And the cannibalism thing, I really did only read in one place, but it still could be true. Right. Then the police apprehended Futoshi and Junko. I want to say it was the next day. And the police took their children and those twins and put them in police protection. So they were safe. When this case broke, the media only let people know that the pair had been holding people captive. So it didn't sound quite as bad as the actual situation, but it wasn't long until the murders were also brought to light. The two were charged with seven murders in all, and Camillo's daughter faced no charges because she was only a child. Right. There was never any physical evidence found to prove anything. How? How do you... They managed to dispose of the bodies and clean up their house well enough to not let anything be found. They had all this time to pass, too. Four years between the last killing and their capture. To clean up and make everything disappear. So no DNA, no hair follicles, nothing. Nothing. 
Again, four years had passed. So how did they prove it? They were able to. You got you, you got to tell me. Don't well, parents. you were correct that Japan's legal system, how you're charged over there and how the trials and stuff work, you are not assumed innocent until proven guilty. This case was based on witness testimony alone. The trials took place over the course of five years. And in these trials, Camillo's daughter testified that the couple had tortured Aya with electricity. Ten-year-old kid. Junko denied this, of course. And she said that she was probably, you know, Camillo's daughter, was probably misremembering because of the guilt she had to live with after killing her own father. Junko did eventually own up to her part in all of this, while Futoshi denied everything. Of course. Yet, anyone else out there rolling their eyes with me? Because it's clear that he was guilty. He said that the women, so Junko and Kumio's daughter, made up these stories about him, that none of it was true. Futoshi Matsunaga and Junko Ogata were both found guilty on six out of the seven charges of murder. The only reason that the seventh charge was not found guilty was because Takashige, Junko's dad, he died as a result of the torture, but he wasn't killed with intent. So it didn't stick. But either way, the pair was found guilty for the six. And they were ordered to death by way of hanging on September 28th, 2005. Now, here's the deal. Both of them appealed. They right. wanted to have a lesser sentence. And Junko's sentence was lessened to life imprisonment on September 26, 2007, since she was kind of forced to kill by Futoshi. Right. So even though she is guilty, the court did take a little bit of sympathy on her, and she's just going to be behind bars the rest of her life. But Futoshi Matsunaga is still sitting in a prison cell waiting to die. Good. got me concerned about people's mentality and like where they're at and what causes people to kill but at least this episode is one of those cases where the bad guy got caught but still look how much he got away with i know it's insane how one person can control so many people at especially at once yeah i mean we have to take into consideration that a lot of those people were smaller than him. We had children involved here. Right, right. So that is easy for someone to overpower. But how this guy, for over a decade and a half, got away with so much crime blows my mind. And it's not Japan. Like, look how many serial killers get away for years and years and never even get caught here in the States. It's not a specific country. It's just... Some killers are just that smart. Yeah, I mean, like, some of them get away for decades. Again, like I said, some never even get caught. Yeah. 
But what do you guys think about this case? Feel free to reach out on Instagram at Crime and Theory Pod because let's just be honest, by this point, it's about the only thing we use anyway. <laughs> yeah. Remember, next week we're covering a creepypasta. And if you know which one that this case may or may not be linked to, at least geographically speaking, awesome. You already know what's coming and it's going to be a good time. But if not, just kind of mull it over. Do a little bit of investigative work yourself if you feel like it. Maybe you'll figure it out. Maybe not. Either way, you get the answer next Thursday. It's going to be a good time. And we have another serial killer, but this time we're going to Spain. Ooh. I know. We've never done a Spanish one before. The serial killer we're covering next week is way more close to the actual story that we're going to read, hence why we're putting those two in the same episode, which I'm excited about. Are you excited, Erin? Excitement. So excited. Excitement. I'm, I'm excited for hot dogs, too. Oh, yeah, After this, I think we should get hot dogs. Yeah. We're going to go get hot dogs, guys. So, uh, Also, we're not excited about the killings, okay? We're excited about the creepypasta. Pasta! Because killings are not okay, so don't do that. Okay, no. I'm going to go now. Do you have anything else you want to say, Aaron? Uh, avoid being zapped by people with, what What was it, elect- electrical? Shock? Yeah, electroshock stuff. Good advice. Don't, don't, yeah, don't hang around with people that enjoy zapping people. Or setting things on fire. That's unrelated yeah. to the case, but I just feel like that's sound advice. Yeah. But in that case, stay safe this week, guys. If you're dating anyone who exhibits literally any of the red flags from this episode, just run. Run away. Run away. We are here for you. Come talk to us. We will help you if it needs to be that. We Just run. And as always, don't get haunted. We'll see you guys next Thursday. <laughs>